Okay, so one of the cool things about this podcast is being able to work with two guys uh, that have been in the competitive atmosphere pretty much their entire life. Um, seen a lot of things, been around a lot of people, um, and reached some really high levels. Uh, but one of the things that has separated the guys that get to the elite level, and even when you get to the elite level, the good ones from the great ones, is having something inside you that's different than everyone else. And, and we've talked about it on the show uh, in the past, and Darren brings it up all the time, but having that dog inside you, and it's, you know, D-A-W-G, dog. Yeah. <laughs> right? Dog. Yeah. No, Snoop Dogg is D-O-G. G-G. Yeah, yeah double G. Dude, you're so old, man. <laughs> Holy close. cow. I mean, he I was listening not. to Snoop, by Good the way, night, when he was dude. a professional. Not like third grade <laughs> oh when I started God. listening to him on the way to Pop Warner hey, practice. Man, Snoop, no, so what God. was the Great Depression like, Darren? Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you. When it but, started. But, but this this concept of having some dog, it's not, it's not being a jerk. It's not being, but it's having this level of competitive competitiveness about you that it doesn't matter what anyone else around you d- does. Right. I'm going to be the best and I'm going to do it at your expense because I'm going to embarrass you, but also in the mindset of like, I'm going to do that. So you're also better too. Yeah. The dog in me is going to bring you along. We're a pack. We, we ride together, we die together. And so I want to, we're going to talk this episode about uh, applying that dog, mm-hmm. you know, in all aspects of life. Applying it to sports, applying it to business, applying it to family, applying it to being a parent, grandparent, aunt, uncle, doesn't matter. But there's, there is something about being competitive to be great mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that I think the men at this table can speak to. Uh, so I want to I open it up with you. And, and we shared your story, Darren, in the first episode. Uh, and you came from a place where you had to scratch, claw, fight uh, to get to where you're at today the entire way. Explain to us where the dog and you came from. And I, you know, I don't know if mine would be as far as scratch clawing because there's so many people that have had, you know, from you know had to overcome so much. I, I would say how I could personify that is looking back at my mother and just reflecting on how my mother went about her day day to day as far as getting up, working two, get up at five thirty, six o'clock in the morning, working two jobs, staying up late, doing everything she could to provide. And there were, in her mind, there were no days off. Even weekends, she was always accomplishing something. So it was, you know, time was, time was what it was. And she just, she just devoured what was, what was in front of her. And I learned so much from, from the work ethic, but then also understanding the mentality. Like the mentality was, I have four kids. I'm alone. I'm the only adult. These kids are counting on me to eat and I'm going to provide. And that's exactly what she did. She provided, man. She just, she was relentless in that. And that dog, that was the dog, man. That's what I saw early on is I saw her to the point where, you know, it's sad. Sometimes I, I, you know, when I reflect back and listen to, you know, just think about her day, she'd go early in the morning, come home late at night and it'd be 1130. And she was sitting in the same chair. We had this old raggedy, rinky dink chair that she would sit in and I remember she would come in and I would already be in bed I, how many times I walk up and as a as a kid I just jump in her arms and she would just hold me and fall asleep and there were times two o'clock in the morning she'd wake up put me in the bed and then go back to her bed and then wake up and do it all over again the same day and you can't tell me dude that was like to me that was heroic she was always my hero because I knew she was going to do whatever it took to provide. So that's how I, I've always looked at it. So when I've been in situations, I knew what my mother's done. I know she had that dog and her to, to, to work her ass off. And I wanted to be the same way. I, I, I come from a background, again, no father figure in my, in my house. And I am the father of this house. And I want to show my kids the same thing. Like, hey, man, if it's in front of you and you really want it, your ass better go get it. Go hunt. And don't yeah. let anybody getting your way of what you want because you can set the tone and dictate. And the biggest problem I've always had, and I don't want to ramble on one of the biggest problems I've ever had with people are the victim. Everyone plays the damn victim card. Oh, it's so-and-so did this and they can do, they did that to me. And you know, they, whoever it is determines your outcome and they write your damn narrative. They write the narrative. Don't allow people to write your own narrative. Mm -hmm. You take control of the situation. However you possibly can. Yeah, that's good. I'm curious, Darren, we've talked about this before, uh, just just the two of us. 
How do you pass on that dog mentality when your that's kid? Hard man. When your kids? Oh, are, that's the hardest thing. They're they're growing up in oh. a completely different environment yes. than you. But I, but I still think though, right? Like the environment is what you make it. And you know, you think of like a wolf pack. You know, the the lead the leader of the pack leads by example, right? Yeah. And you know, either they're leading ahead and and showing them how to do it, or they're protecting them from the back. And so, as kids, it's on us, or as as parents right. for our kids, yeah. it's on us to show them because they watch everything we do. They, they soak up everything they do. We can tell them things, but kids are, are way more aware than we give them credit for. And they can see, they can see if, okay, what he's doing and he's working, is he passionate about it? Is it, what's the meaning for it? Is he doing it for himself or is yeah. he doing it for me? They can see that. And when, when you have a parent that is, is showing that relentlessness, you know, that hunt to be great, uh, for something bigger than themselves, that's when kids, I think, grab onto it. And they're like, okay, that's who I want to be like. And that's what I saw in my dad. And I was lucky enough to have a father figure that went out and worked his tail off. Yeah, tell us a little bit about family. that. Tell us more about that. I mean, when yeah. you're, you're watching it as a kid, what are you seeing? Yeah, so my dad my dad started climbing telephone poles, right, out of college. And uh, and so we worked for Southwestern Bell, uh, and which was later acquired by Pacific Bell and then SBC and AT&T. But he would climb telephone poles and then he worked his way into an engineer and then he was designing, you know, telecommunication systems in the Bay area. And for him though, it was a relentless pursuit for his family to better the situation for his family. Um, and to the point where, okay, Hey, I transitioned now being this manual laborer, climbing up telephone poles, which in the, in the day, the seventies and eighties, it was a dangerous job, like a really dangerous job. It wasn't like, okay, Hey, we got these scissor lifts today and just take us up and we fix it or whatever, or it's underground trenching. You know, they were physically climbing up telephone poles. And then he got to the point where it was like, okay, I need to do something to, uh, to, make a better situation for my family. And that means going into sales. So he learned a whole new skill. And so as a kid, I'm watching my dad walk out of the house in jeans and boots. And then now he's going in in suits. And, but one thing that I always saw from my dad, I always saw the fact that it was for us. Everything we did was for mm -hmm. us because my dad still to this day, I mean, I think he's bought like a pair of cowboy boots for himself. And like, I mean, he takes hand-me-downs like from us. I mean, like right. it needs very little, yeah. right? Everything that he's always done his entire life has been for someone else and the selflessness in that. And I, I watched that and that was the example that I got. And that's what I want to strive for as a man now for my kids. Mm -hmm. um, but, but again, that relentless pursuit, because I mean, I remember weekends, you know, it was important for him. He'd bring us to the office and we put together RFPs all together as a family. Because mm. he wanted to be around the family, and he didn't want to sacrifice family time. And that's work. a tough balance, man. That's hard. That's a tough balance. I'm in the middle because, of that now, yeah. Because think about it: if you have that in you, like want to, and you want to accomplish something, most of the time it's. And I know I'm guilty of this. Is it's an individual as an individual. My goals are. I have a lot of individual goals. So the dog in me really takes over, and it's like I'm on the hunt by myself. This is not a pack hunt. I don't include my wife. I don't include my kids in this. It's it's normal. It's it has been my entire life of you're on your own survive. And that's how I've been all my life. I've been in survival mode since I was a kid. I was working at 12 years old. All I knew was work, 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 get kill, 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 eat, eat, eat. And that's it. And I had to I had to be the guy to do to do so. So for me, one of my biggest problems that I've always had was was including my kids in whatever it is, that goal that I'm trying to accomplish. And because I have not brought my kids in, in, in looking at RFPs or, you know, doing something as a whole, I've set the, I think I've set them back because I don't know if my kids outside of my oldest, I'll give him this, my oldest DJ, who you guys know well, he's got a lot of dog in him. But my other two, I didn't give them, I never left that. And I, I feel so ashamed that I never really sharpened them in that way, in that aspect of survival mode go get it, you know, work and together, whatever it is. I know? agree with you. I think that there's a line between providing. I think our culture these days are, are so wrapped up in success and I'm going to go work as a man and I'm going to bring in, you know, bring in money back to the family. And then we're going to have all these things, right? There's, there's giving in both senses of the word. I'm going to give you some things to survive, right. but I'm also going to give you the opportunity to earn those things. And that was one thing I was lucky with my dad is there was nothing was ever handed to us. Right. You know, my dad made a, a pretty, a pretty good living. We never knew that though. I grew up, I, I learned on later in college and, and after college, like you made how much? Right. Like, 
why why did I feel so poor all the time and never could get anything that I wanted? Because you didn't need it, Tyler. The stuff that you needed, you had. Right. The other stuff you worked for. And I wanted to make sure that you worked for that. And so that was something. So the giving part, I think, yeah, you're right. I'm There's so a line. guilty of that, man. I am so guilty. We serious. all are, though. Yeah. We all are. Yeah. We all are. And but but the whole dog aspect of this, though, is how you apply it is, is unique to every situation. And you know, whether it's in business, being a dog in the office and making sure, Hey, I'm going to make all those calls or I'm going to close this deal, or I'm going to put this project together, or I'm going to do that or in your family, right? A dog, I'm going to, I'm going to strive for greatness for our family and Mm. whatever that looks like, whether that's a a faith-based platform, whether that's a project-based platform in your family, a relational service, whatever that is. Um, but it's, it's the dog in the endless pursuit in that. And that's the thing, like, you know, the, the relation we keep saying it, you know, is when wolves go out and hunt, they don't come back empty handed. They've got to, they go until they go mm-hmm. until they get something. And so the same thing, and I want to bring this over to sports because we can all talk to talk about this and I don't want to spend a ton of time because I think it can apply more to life, but the nineties Cowboys, yeah. they had a reputation for being dogs. And you've shared this with Dion that if he got beat in practice, practice, the rest of practice was shut down. No one else oh, yeah. is taking a rep. I, I, I'm going to dominate everybody because I'm not going to accept failure and I'm going to be relentless in that pursuit for perfection. Right. Now, nobody's perfect, but I'm relentless in the pursuit of trying to attain. Exactly. It. You know, and it's, <laughs> I got this, I'll tell a quick story, man, that <clears throat> it, that it describes who we were uh, and the mentality of this team. When I first walked in was, you know, we, and I don't know if I've ever told this story, but I'm going to put Michael Irvin on blast exclusive, here. On this exclusive. <laughs> so my rookie year. And you know I, how, how it is your rookie year. You come in, and especially back in the 90s, early 90s, you come in as a rookie, and you had what we call mini camps. And in the first couple of mini camps, the veterans couldn't be there at those mini camps. It could only be the rookie. It's a, considered a rookie mini camp. Veterans couldn't be in the facility. They weren't supposed to be at practice. None of that, right? So we're at we're in this meeting room and we're watching films. All the defensive backs is 12 of us or 10 of us. All the guys that gotten drafted are free agents. We're all these young guys, 22 years old, 21 years old. We're watching film with Dave Campbell. He has a clicker in his hand. He's teaching us the defensive coverages, dark room, film study, 10 guys in this room, 10 DBs. And then all of a sudden you hear this boom on the door, right? God comes in the door. And I had never met Michael Irvin. I'd seen him on TV, didn't know who he was. But he opens the door. He kicks the door. He walks in, hits the lights, flips on the lights. He is butt-ass naked. <laughs> He's butt-naked, and he walks in the room. And he, if you know Mike, Mike has that, that deep voice, <laughs> your mother. You know, and he's like, oh, you know, I know they recruited all you four threes and four fours and y'all ain't, sh- you know, blah, blah, blah. You ain't shit. Hey, when hog we get just out there, around. Yeah. <laughs> he's just, yeah. And I'm trying to make eye contact, dude. I'm not looking down, though. I'm like, hell no. But Wait, you're making eye contact with what? No, I'm eye contact, dude. I'm looking up. I'm looking he's staring up. staring at me. I'm looking he's up. staring at me. I think but, it moved. But he's going in and out, man. He's just... You know, going out on and then he gets done and he just walks out of the room, turns the lights on, slams the door. And it wasn't Dave Campbell didn't miss a beat. Just kept going with the film, didn't say anything. And we I was so shocked. Like, <laughs> what the what have I gotten myself into with this organization? But that that was I mean, that's the edge that we were yeah. on. Yeah. That that's the, the the leadership was that damn crazy. And and I and I tell people about we were so good based on the, the fact that we had players like Mike that were just so relentless in how they looked at and 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 how their approach was to life. It wasn't just the game; it was to life. They were dogs, man. And I go down the list. I mean, people don't give Troy Aikman enough credit for being. Well, that uh, special that came out on Troy on kind of the true life with Absolutely. Troy Aikman. I had no, no idea yes. that he was that demanding. I that mean, demanding, competitive, that. would yeah. argue with you, uh, confront you about things. He just didn't, you know, it was just a part of who he was. And it went from from Troy, then flip it on the other side, to Tony Tolbert's, the the Charles Haley's, the confrontations. And, like, and that's a part of it. In order to be that, in order to have that dog in you, you have to be willing to have some confrontation. Because confrontation is healthy. 
Now, not over the board, but there's got there's there's a fine line in there to where you're not going to back down, and and that's that's the one thing that I always have looked at in my own personal life is, you know, early on in my life, I went through an experience where I was a kid and I backed down, and I took that from that lesson on, I said, hell no, if I got a problem with something, then let's deal with it. And, and that's how it was in that locker room, man. And I think that's the, what made us special. And it, and it was Kevin Smith, the guy who came in with me. Jimmy Johnson, the head coach, drafted players that had that type of dog mentality. Yep, yep. I think, of, I think in college, and, and you know, this topic is easy to talk about for me because I, I was a bulldog. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were, we were dogs. Like, and that was it. Our motto as a team was shut up and hit somebody literally all over the locker room is shut up and hit somebody. And we took that mentality from our head coach, who is Pat Hill. Same thing. Anybody, anywhere, anytime, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be the 35th ranked team in the country. We're going to play the number one team in the country in Oregon state in 2001. Guess what? We're going to punch them in the mouth. We're going to knock them out and we're going to beat them, which we did because it was a mentality, that dog mentality, mm. just like you're talking about. But, to your point, Jimmy Johnson drafted those guys. That's who Pat Hill recruited. Pat Hill didn't go to L.A. He didn't go to San Francisco, Oakland. He didn't go to Texas and get all these five, you know, five-star recruits and these. He wanted people that had dog in them, and they, and he was notorious in California for recruiting out of the Central Valley of California because there was a grittiness to those kids mm. that was different than the elite athletes. That it right. may have been easier because. There's something about having that edge, having that grittiness, having that dog in you that propels beyond talent. Because I know some of the most talented people I've ever been around. I mean, there's guys I played with in college. I mean, there's one in particular, the most talented God-given ability that I've ever been around had zero dog. Exactly. Zero. And you know what? Like he got to a certain level with his talent and good for him. But, and and I'm, there's multiple guys that I'm thinking of, but the guys that had that edge, had that relentlessness, had that motivation to never settle, don't avoid confrontation. Yeah. I'm not going to accept anything but my best. Those are the guys that elevated to the elite levels. Yeah. yeah. So go ahead, Ben. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm just going to ask, how, how do dogs approach problems? I, in I, y'all's I, opinion. In my opinion, Millen looks. I, I think... There's always obstacles in the road, and there's, I know, listen, it depends on your mentality. On, honestly, it depends on the personality because it could be, you know, like my wife downstairs, dog, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. I just said we're downstairs. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it on a previous episode. You're like, you get to witness it during this I, quarantine, yeah, right? I You're seeing watch. her just be a dog all day long, yeah. and, and her personality is not fitting. But she, but I think it depends on what the situation is and what your personality is, and it don't have to be like in your face, run through a wall type of mentality. It's just, it has to be, you know, how do I, how do I look at obstacles and how do I approach it? Am I just going to just coast around it and take my time with it? I, I'm, I'm the person that is, if there's an obstacle in front of me, man, I got to run through it. Yeah. Because the fear of, again, my fear is going back of, I can't back down. I can't, I don't want to back down. Yesterday, you and I had, we had this call. Can I talk about this call we had yesterday? It's your show, man. <laughs> we had this call yesterday about us doing that 5 a.m. workout, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're and talking about. And yeah. we have to talk about this 5 a.m. workout thing. And I'm not, not going we'll to we'll get, get deep into this. Yeah. But we had this talk. Ben and I said, look, so we need to get going through COVID, you know, through this whole situation. That, you know, we need to have a challenge, 5 a.m. challenge, right? And you, we all know Ben. 3.45 a.m. wake up, 3.30 a.m. Like, oh, wake I get up. to sleep in? I think I, I, I think I offended him by saying 3.45. At 3.30 a.m. wake up, right? So he's telling me, he's like, yeah, we need to do this challenge, you know, 5 a.m. And I'm like, have you talked to Tyler about this? Because I'm i trying to fight it. Like, hold up, dude. I'm, I'm not ready for that. And I can tell on the other side, there is very hesitant to no, commit see, to this. Man, hold I'm up. Gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject here because – Here's one thing that I was just going to say, and what you just did on my behalf is exactly what I'm about to speak to, right? There's a level of trust, right? Yeah. That you've got to have. Like all the 90s cowboys, you trusted each other. See, there's a trust level no, between hey, us. Hey, dogs got each other's back. Defends, hey, have you talked to Tyler, man? I'm pretty worried about him. I trust him that he has my best interest at heart. Hey, go be confrontational. Go heads up with the guy because I trust that you're doing it for my behalf. See, I... <laughs> 
See, because how Ben and I are different. So Ben's in bed at eight o'clock, man. I get all my work done from eight to midnight. You yes. know, and I'm yeah. I'm burning, you know, burning the candle on both ends. But you know, Ben is just one side. He's an so extremist. You and me. You and me. Yeah, we're, you and me. Yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna work eighteen hours. Yeah. You know, he, he's only working six, but he just starts early. <laughs> but my, go ahead. Well, man, I was just, my my college coach used to always say, and this is what I think about when I think of dogs: is you got to have your PhD. Yeah. And his, and PhD for him, this isn't the the, the school PhD. This is you got to be poor, hungry, and determined. Right. And that's what dogs are. They're poor, they're hungry, and they're determined. They may not be physically or, or literally poor, but that mentality, they remember what it was like, Darren. You remember what it was mm-hmm. like growing up the way you did. And that has propelled you and carried you this far into your life. Right. Yeah. And so that's what dogs do. They, they can always put themselves back in that situation. If they're not there fit currently, they can always put themselves back in that situation. All right. And call on that mentality that they had to yeah. get them through. But that's how I felt. No, this is. But I, I'm going to go back to that call because, like, he challenged my manhood yesterday. Yeah, I did. Honestly, like, you know, he was like, "Come on, dude, you really, you're not going to do this." I mean, people, our listeners out there, they need something to get them going in the morning. They need something to to get their, you know, to get past this point. So let's do a challenge. Just challenge everybody out there to that are our listeners to get up at five a.m. and work out however long you want to work out. Read ten pages in a book. And what was the other one? That's it. No, I'm not asking a lot. You said work out ten, read ten pages, and meditate for five or ten well, minutes. Yeah, that, something that, like that's that, part right? of the ten pages. Yeah. And again, I'm asking. Like, you talk to Tyler about this. <laughs> I mean, because I was thinking in my mind, like, dude, I got, I know I got some dog in me, but I'm not ready for that. Mm-hmm. But then I got, you know, I got in the bed and I'm sitting there with my wife and she was like, I heard you and Ben talking. She said something. I was like, you know, Ben wants to do this challenge and blah, blah. She's like, well, you're the one who always says you're this damn dog. You ain't going to do it. You're going to back down. And oh, it, I love but, it. Dude, I love it, it burned my <laughs> ass last night. So now I'm thinking we're going to do this challenge at some point. I don't know if it's going to be next week. Possibly, I mean, well, we're back oh, on. I, this is news to me. Yeah, we're All gonna right. be back on. We're gonna. We just got to figure out things, man. Right. But in doing so, like I'm just thinking in my mind. Okay, so how do I set this up? How do I set this up in my mind to think? Okay, I have to get my ass up at four forty-five to get ready for this 5 a.m. challenge because I'm going to have to record myself. I'm going to have to take a picture of things, right? I'm going to have to do all this work yeah. to, to get there. But my mind is now I'm, I got uh, to, for me to get into that, it's almost like that superhero mode for me. I have to get there. Mm-hmm. And when I get there, it's almost like a rage to say, okay, you're not going to back down from this. You're that dog. You can make, you can change someone's life if you do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One person. It yeah. could be 30 people to do it, but one person. That PhD, it's that mental, that mental state. And I think what dogs are able to do is they're able to fabricate that to get themselves to believe, hey, I'm in a championship mindset. Yeah. Right? I am going to compete. Whatever challenge it is, whatever obstacle you have is fooling yourself into it. I think of one of the most successful people in, in the country on the planet right now is Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. You think about him as much as he's done like him, don't like him indifferent. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The name of his production company is seven bucks production because he's able to trick himself into the mindset of I've got to go back to when I was 24 years old and I had $7 in mm-hmm. my wallet, seven bucks production. And he fakes it. And he, and you could tell, I mean, I, I follow him on Instagram and you know, he's, and I'll I respect the hell out of him for sure. Um, you know, he's a little bit cheesy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think you called the rock I'm, cheesy. You I'm, called the rock cheesy. That's, well, not that's all saying. you. I didn't say it. Dwayne, let me apologize. <laughs> let me say this as a player. And you can say this too, mm-hmm. is when you get to a point and there's, there's certain guys, there's a delivery. I'm not saying I don't respect him any less, mm-hmm. but there's just something about him. A lot of people say that about JJ Watt. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about J.J. Watt is J.J. Watt and Dwayne Johnson, they know their audience, right? To me, personally, I think that it is a little bit, but I see what J.J. Watt has done for the city of Houston, what he's done for the country, because people love him. They trust him. He's a great influence for kids. He's all these things. But... They know how to make Play an impact, yeah, and they know absolutely. how to do it, right? Yeah. So, they know how to market. They know yes, how to market. They know so, it, yes. and, they're, and they're making an, uh, an impact, and they're making a difference. But with Dwayne Johnson, I mean, he's able to fool himself, and nobody works harder than him. Yeah. Nobody does. I mean, he's posting stuff, working out of the gym at 5 a.m., and then he's filming this, and then he's over-hosting this show, and then he's doing this, and he's got this release, and he's got this press tour, and he's all over the place, and he's always doing something. 
And I think of that mentality. And so often when I had a real challenge ahead of me, I was no problem. Like I'm 100% motivated. Nobody's going to beat me mm-hmm. and no one's going to tell me no. I mean, similar to kind of my story and my journey is like, you're not going to tell me I can't do it. I'm going to do it. Right. But when I have to, when I got out of the game and there wasn't that tangible, that tangible goal, like, Hey, in one year, I'm going to be at this point and I have to accomplish this. Yeah. Like it's harder because you have to fabricate yeah. that to get yourself in that dog mentality. Okay. So here's the, here, I got to put, take you guys back because you guys remember the Oklahoma drill mm-hmm. back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, we used to have yeah, Oklahoma. I get drink. nervous still thinking about that. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. Those jitters, was, right? And you knew, like, yeah. I remember when we used to have Oklahoma. Let's say it's spring ball in college. We'd have Oklahoma drill. And you, the coach would tell you today. Hey, hold on. What is Oklahoma drill for Oklahoma people Oklahoma drill know? was, I don't know how you guys did it. Did you guys do it on your back or did you guys we did do it? Early on it was on our back. And then as we got into college, it was just 10 yards heads 10 yards. Okay, so you usually have, like, two blockers in front of you. Yeah. Um, we called it the Fresno drill because – we, of course, we, we, we call it Bloody Alley. Yeah. You called it Bloody, <laughs> Bloody Alley? Okay, so describe to me later on, because my mind may have been different. How did you yeah. guys do Bloody Alley? I mean, just basically what you're describing. There's a there's a ball carrier, yeah. and there's a defender, and you're about 10 yards apart. You're both on your back. Coach blows the whistle. You both get up, and you just run as hard, hard as you can. can. Right. Possible. And blow the whistle. Person. Okay, yeah. so we used to do that, and then we – basically, you knew the day before we were going to do yeah. Oklahoma drill, yeah. right? So the nerves were there. Because you didn't want to lose on Oklahoma. Drill. The whole team circled around. All yeah. eyes are on Everybody's you. Everybody's around. And it's like, a, I'm talking about, they're on you. You don't have that much room to, to even make a tackle or run over somebody because everyone's right there on you. And it's a pride deal, man. It is, it's almost like going into a fight, knowing that the next day I got the fight, I have a fight, and they usually put the best players against the best players. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's always. how it worked. Oh yeah, the best went against the best, and you do. I'd sit there and watch the running back, and I knew like, God dang, Leonard Russell is two hundred forty pounds, dude. I got him tomorrow. That's, You're you know, sizing everybody I'm up sizing on the other side. Okay, okay, up, which one am I going? Okay, yep, yeah. Okay, I'm but, getting. I know he's going to put me against you. But that's life. If we really want to put it in context, that's life. It's almost like you know you have to go do this tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen. So in life, it's the same thing. There's obstacles that you know. Either you can go around it, you can bow out, or you can look right at it and say, you know what, I, I got to do this. I might as well. I may as well put my time into it. And that's why I'm thinking about this 5 a.m. deal. I might as well. It's going to happen. He's going to keep calling me out. Ben's going to keep calling me out on this until I run through this damn wall. So that's the mindset. I think that's in life. We're going to have those type of obstacles that we're going to have to get to at some point. Why not have that Oklahoma drill in the back of our mind to think this is it. My, Preach. My, yeah. Preach. Preach. My, my favorite thought right now is, and you just said it, is people that can, they're scared because it's a natural thing to be scared or fearful or, or you know, be nervous about something. What's fascinating to me lately is the people that can, do whatever the, the task is, the challenge, whatever, anyway, regardless of how they feel or how scared they are. So to me, that's been the biggest the biggest thought of what you just said um, is those people that can truly take a scenario, they're nervous about it, they're scared, just like the times we're living right now. Right? Nobody knows the future, nobody knows what's going on. It's the people that can still act regardless of how they feel inside. Yeah. They're still going to, yeah, yeah. they're they're not going to be paralyzed by it. They're going to take. So for me, that's, that's the the fascinating thing is, is learning about people like you, Darren, like you, Tyler, that regardless how they feel on the inside, they're still going to act. They're still going to get that dog out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the fear thing though is real. Like I think about this challenge, like, and as we've been talking about that is I think about my biggest fear is how embarrassing is it going to be if there's a morning that I don't get up on time. Yeah. Right. And the accountability, whether we do it through social media and we're obviously going to be holding each other accountable, but like, that's the fear. And that's like you, I was like, yeah, yeah, I need it. I know that this is going to be good for me. I know that this is going to make me a better man, father, professional, all of these things. But my biggest fear has always been disappointing somebody always. Right. And I, and I do have a problem because I have, I have an unhealthy level of like people pleaserness and I always want to make sure that I'm always pleasing people. And so I do sometimes get paralyzed by fear. And your point is not, not letting that deter you from acting and, and creating goals, manufacturing this mentality that you've got to go and you've got to push through it, whether it's, 
hey, I got to kill it in this meeting today, or I've got to be the best mom that I can be today, or I've got to go to practice today, whatever it is, but manufacturing it to be like every day, every goal is a championship yeah. and I'm competing. At okay. It. So how do you look at it? Dude? Because I, 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 I guess when I look at, you know, obstacles or I, I never look at things where rarely, which I, maybe I should is as a, I'm letting someone else down. I think I'm at my best when I know that I'm letting self, like self comes first. Almost it's a selfish way of thinking, but it stems from me because I think we, all our lives, we've let other people down. I mean, nobody's perfect, brother. We've let people down all the time. But when it's self, when you can honestly turn it around to look at yourself to say, I'm letting myself down, forget everybody else. And you put yourself in that in that position. I think that changes the outlook. Let me let me give a story that uh, that I think applies to that for me. So 2014, I had a really like slow start to the season. I didn't play well. I didn't get a ton of plays. And uh, the chap, we were going through a Bible study through that season. But like I said, I was 100% the people pleaser. So I'm watching film every single day through the eyes of the coaches. What are they going to think of me? Am I, am I performing? Am I the best fullback that's available? Am I helping this team be better? Am I a necessity? Right. As as that position just naturally, it's like, yeah, a fullback's a luxury to have, but if we don't need to have it, like what happened to me in Miami, we don't need it right now. So we're going to cut them loose. Like every day I'm going through, like, what are the coaches thinking of me? What are the other players thinking of me? We went through a Bible study in 2014 where Jonathan Evans, our chaplain, talked about just t- shifting your focus and having one person to impress. And for, for this, it was God, mm-hmm. right? But at that point, I made this mental shift, and I knew that, hey, that's the best that I can do, which I know pleases him, nope, number right. one. Mm-hmm. Everybody else falls underneath that. When you're worried about this person and that person and this person, and I'm guilty of falling back to this all the time. But to your point is when I change that mindset of, if I know that I did the best that I could and I'm, imp- I'm impressing myself, then everything's going to be fine because my standards for myself are higher than any coach yeah. could ever put on me. Changed my game. 2014 from game five on was the best 11 game run that mm-hmm. I had in my career. And DeMarco Murray went off that year. Yeah. We had a good, we had a good run in the playoffs, but once I made that mental shift of, I'm not going to let myself down because I, my standards are so much higher and I can't disappoint myself because if I disappoint myself, who cares about everybody else? Yeah. That's it's most the, important. It's the content. Like it's being content and like, I, I can't be content in the fact that I'm just okay with things. I mean, in life, the one thing I always tell my kids is I don't, they always say, yeah, you're always honest and this and this and this and that. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to let you be, just be comfortable because once you get comfortable, what is it? You become content in life, man. On every in every aspect of your life. So if you're if you're a listener right now, and you're just happy to just do the little things, get up eight eight to five, and that's just a part of who you are, then you know so be it. I mean, you just that's who you are. But if there's something like I don't know, man, there's something that 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 I feel like there's certain people that I really admire because yeah, they look people look at him and they say, oh, he's an asshole or she's you know. She's this and that, blah, blah. She runs over people. But there's certain things that when you look at somebody like a Dwayne Johnson, yeah, he may be a little bit, but there's some, but his work ethic, dude, is proven. Can't argue that. You cannot argue who that man is and how hard his ass, because he wants it. There is something in his life that burns in his heart that says, I, this is what I want. And there are so many people out there right now who always talk that big shit like, oh, I want this and I don't want that. But they ain't, they ain't ready. Yeah. They really, they're, they're not ready to go through that fire and go and do the little things. I want to lose 20 pounds, but then they want to wake up at nine o'clock and eat a damn donut in the morning. Get your ass up and get to work. That's how, that's how it is. That's life. That's and to your point. Complacency, contentment, right, yeah. is the enemy of progression. So one thing that drives me crazy is when people complain and bitch about why am I not here? It's their fault. It's this fault. But they're content and they're complacent in the progression. And so if you don't put yourself out there and you don't overcome that fear to step out and start something or to work or make yourself uncomfortable, then you're never going to progress and you're going to stay in the same position, which is fine. Look, it's totally fine. 
Not saying that you're a bad person, yeah. you're anything less than anyone else. But just don't bitch about don't it. Don't complain yeah, about it. Because I'll, I'll, I'll raise my hand. I'll be the first one to, to admit. I'll tap out on certain things. Like, I'm supposed to be reading right now. I have a group that I'm supposed to be reading so many books right now. And I've tapped out a few weeks ago, but I, I let it be known. Dude, I, I just can't do this shit. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> this is not how I'm... <laughs> reading is hard. Reading is, <laughs> I'm a football player. So dude. many words. I got through <laughs> I got through a half a book and I was like, done, can't do this. But I mean, I, I, and I get it, man, because I, I, go, I go through those same, those same things, but I can't bitch about it because now I'm, I, it's not, I cannot sit there and complain, but man, I just, and I, I should have done this, 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 and that. No, man, you did. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. So if you have something, if there's a goal that's in mind right now that you want to accomplish, run through that fire. You got to go through the fire to get to the results that you want. Yeah, that, that's a great point right there. Dogs take ownership of themselves. They, they don't make excuses. Yeah, they may tap out because nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to do everything that they say. They, they strive to, they hope to, but dogs take ownership of those situations. Yeah. And, the, and that's what makes them a dog is they're taking ownership. They, they know when they screwed up. They're going to get right back on the horse and keep going yeah. again. You ever heard that saying, ain't nobody going to love you like you? I've heard it from you. Yeah, my mom used to tell me that when I was a kid, when I was a baby. I'm saying Darren loves him some Darren. Yeah. yeah. Hey, does love me some Darren? Yeah, I, some I'm Darren. not T.O. now. Yeah. Come on. Oh, was, but, that, was that T.O. that said, I yeah, love, love me, me some me, boy. <laughs> but there's no one going to love you like you. And right now we're experiencing some times where people are really having to reflect on, and I don't want to be the negative guy here, but people, we're, people are out there right now reflecting on, like trying to figure out where that meal is going to come from. They got to pay the rent. Um, and I think right now is a time where you can honestly look at yourself and say, who's there to help you? Who's, who's seriously there that's going to cut you that check to bail you out? You. Now's the time to reflect to say, hell, there is nobody else. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get back going again, I got to be that guy. I got to take care of myself because again, man, my mother's telling me when I was a little baby, no, there's ain't, she said, eight. Ain't nobody going to love you like you. Mm -hmm. You got to take care of number one, because if you take care of number one, then you can have the kids and you can tell, you can provide, you can be the provider. But man, I, I, the people are going through this right now where they're looking for someone to bail them out and there is no one. Yeah. No, I think, you know, we, we mentioned on a previous episode about silver linings, challenges with this time, but that's it. And, and your point with self-reflection you know, and, and even beyond like, how am I going to put food on the table? You know, I think there's a bigger population that is, Hey, with what I was doing, is that what I'm meant to do? Is that what I mm. want to do? Is that how I'm progressing? Yeah. You know, I think this pause for people is really, really forcing people to sit and think because we're, so, we, we fill ourselves with so much media, so much to do's, right? We have all these lists and we're always busy and our culture, we're not trained. I think really our generation is not trained to just sit and be still. And we're being forced to do that right now. And I think that at this point, there's going to be a lot of reflection as well. Like, Hey, how do I provide who's looking out for me? All that. But also like, I've got to look out for me too. Am I being, am I being selfish by just doing something to do it? Or am right. I going to actually go put myself out there mm -hmm. and chase something that I'm passionate about and that I have an identity for. And I think one of the great things about this is like all three of us are like, Hey, this is something that we're passionate about. We yeah. love this. Yeah. Right? We're having a good time doing it. You know, I mean, outside of Darren bringing the show down, like I feel like <laughs> we, this is, this is, and we're progressive because we're all raw too. Right. You know, Darren's got, you know, a lot of training. I don't know what he did for 14 years, ESPN, but, <laughs> but you know, nothing, I think we are, we thing. as a group are, are getting better. And I think that's a passion yeah. for us. And this time has allowed us, okay, we've got an extra hour or so that when we're normally commuting yeah. now it's like, okay, Hey, we can, we can focus on how do we get better as podcast hosts and community. So let's, let's circle back, you know, cause it's, it's really easy to make the analogy to sports and, and all those things. Let, let me just shift the focus onto some current. And I want to, I want to do a bigger conversation on this at another time. Speak up to those athletes right now that are spring sports, oh. senior athletes. How do they keep the dog in them Man. right now that had their baseball season, their track season taken away that could have been that opportunity 
one to close out their high school. Imagine your senior year. Yeah, I can't, man. That's this is. I think this is the question you're you're asking right now. Is I can't put myself in those kids' shoes. As much as I'll, I'll you know feel bad for them, I can't put my my son right now was a senior in school last year. I couldn't imagine he played baseball. I couldn't imagine him being going through a process where the season was shut down because there were so many kids on his team that were getting looks, late looks. Some of those guys are late bloomers and major colleges were looking at them as far as recruiting them for scholarships. And it's just, this is not just the the athlete side. Some of these kids were good students and we're going to get athletics. I mean, uh, a student, uh, student, student scholarships, man. I mean, they're academics I, was the word. The academic, for. yes, academic scholarships. I wasn't an academic <laughs> scholarship kid. Leave me alone, man. Anyway, so I can't imagine not being able to be, you know, to really impress and and do the little things that to get, you know, get to that next level. Uh, you know. My son, Jaden, again, he has a couple buddies right now that are on the fence. Scouts aren't coming out to watch them play. Uh, They don't have um, enough tape. Guys worked their ass off this summer, and here it is this time, and they can't. They just can't. There's nothing they can do about it. I I just, you know, again, my my heart goes out to to those that are are sitting right now. But, you know, it 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 goes back to how do – you know, what is it can we do? What can we yeah. do for these yeah. kids yeah. right now? I mean, what, what, what can you, yeah, exactly. What, there's nothing you can the do. The timing it. of it is, yeah. yeah. So, so you've got a choice. So instead of being a victim, like you said earlier, what, in, in your opinion, again, not, not say you can imagine putting yourself in the shoes, but what can you do to stay hungry in this time? What are those things that, I mean, it, your son's home, right? Yeah. He's not able to play his first season in college. Yeah. So what do you? What are some things that you could say, hey, through my experiences, although very different, here's some things that you can apply just to stay hungry in this time. Man, you, you got to work. It doesn't stop. It does not stop. I mean, I, if, you, if your goal is to be a football player, basketball, baseball player, whatever it is, sport, or uh, academically get to where you want to be, it doesn't stop. You can still get your ass up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you can still work out whatever trade it is. You can still commit yourself and maybe it's not outside the house, but you can do the little things to mentally prepare yourself for, uh, for, for that. And, and there, because there's so many of us right now that are going through this, yep. not just, you know, in that in, in, in sports field or coming up out of high school. Some of us right now in our own businesses, we can get better. I know my ass right now at ESRP. There are so many, there's so many emails that are going through, that are coming through right now that our partners and guys like you know you two are putting out there that I'm just sharpening myself with right now because I have the time to do so. Yeah, I think, uh, and if I can interject, I know I asked the question, but you know, I think of this for these kids as an opportunity. Um, I'll, I'll make this kind of analogy that I had when I was going through training camps. Training camps. Typically, guys are just trying to get through a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go and you've got mandatory lifting, you know, every other day or something like that. For me, that was a time, hey, we're all going through this together. We're all, everyone in the NFL is going through training camp right now. Who are the ones that are taking advantage of this opportunity to do more and get better? So for me, in training camp, I lifted six days a week. I mean, I, I took recovery really important, but I had a goal that I was going to get stronger through training right camp. camp. Because if you're going through this all together, like everyone in this situation is right now, all senior baseball players, track athletes, they're all going through this together. What is the opportunity that you're going to differentiate yourself on the other side of this that the other ones aren't willing to do? Yeah. And so I, that would be my encouragement in this time is figure out what you can do, how you can do it to come out on the other side, one, better than yourself when you were when you came into it, but two, elevate yourself above your competition out there. Because especially for these athletes and uh, you know, parents of these athletes, listen, listen close, is they're all competing, yeah. every single one of them. The kid in New Hampshire is competing with the kid in Texas because there's a finite number of roster spots that are going to be available for these collegiate athletes. So what are you going to do to take advantage of the opportunity to be better on the other side. Okay, so I have a mo- I, I have a question for both of you guys. What was the motivation? What was it in, in that had 
that was a part of your life that motivated you as far as the competition? Like you said it, now we're time, the off season. Let's say it's just the off season. What was your motivation that got you going throughout, throughout the off season to work, get up early, work out, do all the little things? What, is there one particular thing that helped you through the process? Are you talking about sports? Sports in general. Related? Yeah. Well, for me, it was the, it was the goal of playing in the, in the NFL. That's what got me up every single day. I didn't ultimately accomplish that goal, but that's what I thought about every single time I wanted to sleep in, every single time I didn't want to get those extra reps, every time I didn't want to watch, the, watch, watch that extra film, I just thought about what are the guys who have made it to the top of the game, what do they do? Mm-hmm. What characteristics do they have? I better start adopting those characteristics if that's the goal that I have, if that's something I want to accomplish. I better start doing those little extra things, and that's what got me up, and that's what got me motivated. Um, I'm somewhat of an artist. And so I, I remember doing an art project and I drew the NFL shield and I just pinned that up. And I, so I would see that every single day, the NFL shield, because that was my goal. That's what I wanted to accomplish. And I wasn't going to let anything stop me. I guess I ultimately let something stop me, but it's called, ACL. <laughs> it's called an ACL. Bro. Yeah. Uh. But, but the point is that's what got me up every single day was that, that desire and that fight to want to accomplish that end goal. See, I'm a little different. I was driven by the competition. And I had to be the best of who I was competing against, no matter what level it was, right? And so, like in high school, for example, so I was a, I was a wrestler, and, and I was a I was a state champ in high school. Ahead, but I had go ahead, pat yourself on the back. Uh, hey, you, know, you, you had a, you had a second to do it. You yeah. did it. All yeah, right. Go ahead. Y'all heard that? State yeah, go champ. Next. State champ. Um, I don't sound like I'm from West Texas right now. I'm talking about football, right? <laughs> state champs, bro. <laughs> uh, but it, for me, it was whatever I had to do to never lose. To my competition to be the best and there was always and then in football it was okay you know i get the starting job so i'm gonna i got to be the best guy on my team then i got to be the best guy on my team mm-hmm. right and then i've got to be i got to be the best person in my league and then best person in my section right and it was always the other people and so i always thought about what are those guys doing i need to do more mm-hmm. and so for me it was manufacturing what i thought the best guys did and i'm gonna do more whatever oh. that is I'm going to do more. You, you hit it on the head. That's, that was my motivation throughout my entire life was I was motivated by the competition. And even if it was within my own team, I had played with a guy named Felipe Sparks in high school. His father, her, well, his daughter is Jordan Sparks, a singer. Felipe and I grew up, and Felipe was always a spectacular, I mean, he was a corner, no, right? Cornerback. Yeah. Phenomenal athlete. That was my competition. Even though he was my teammate, he was my competition. So it was how do I how do I outplay Philippe? Even though we're teammates. And then when I got into the NFL, it was Merton Hanks. It was uh Leroy Butler. And every single day, and there wasn't a day that went by in those days, because Leroy played with the Green Bay Packers, who were really good. Brett Favre in that group. He was an all-pro player. Merton Hanks played with the San Francisco 49ers. They, those, that was our competition in the NFC. If there's any two teams that matched up with us throughout the league, it was those two teams, and they were the best of the best at what they did. And every day during the offseason, I would compare myself. The extra rep was for Leroy, I know you're listening. That was for you. Merton Hanks, you know, the ball drills. Mert, that was for you. I mean, I just, that's the way I motivated myself. And I'm trying to get to my son, who's a 19-year-old. And I know there's a lot of parents listening right now. I have a 19-year-old boy. And it every day, it just burns my ass when he's not working. Good athlete. Hell, you Ben, you know this. Very good athlete. But I want him to work harder. So I'm always trying to instill things in him. I'm sending him pictures of the kid that's in Puerto Rico that plays center field. And I say, look, who's working? Kid got to eat. This kid got to eat. I mean, are you willing? Let me ask you this. Would you ever, if someone told you that when you were going through that, would it motivate you anymore or did it have to come from you? Because I got, I mean, I think about like Instagram and LinkedIn and all these motivational posts that everybody like lives by and Mm -hmm. it's this, but it's like, you look at them. Oh yeah, that's cool. That's cool. But ultimately nobody's going to make that decision for you. Nobody's going to tell you. We can give you some tools. Yes. As a parent, we can give tools, but until they decide that I'm not going to be beat out by anybody, 
you know, whether it's a guy on my team, yep. whether it's a guy on another team, whether it's a guy in Japan that's trying to come play here, it doesn't matter. Until they make that decision, it's really hard, right, yeah. as a parent to get that. And so question would be is how do you get that? How do you get, that, you get that internal dog? level of that that's the internal level dog. The dog. Mm-hmm. That that's what we're talking yeah. about, man. That's how do how do we how do I apply that to myself? I know how it works for me. Mm-hmm. But maybe th- there's there's some ways there's another way maybe I can tap into that for him. Mm-hmm. I, but it, I can't do it. I think you're right. It has to come from within him. Yeah, I can't motivate him that way. Yeah, and one and one thing we'll as we wrap this up that I want to make sure we point out um, because we got we got a little sports centric, which is fine. That, that's our that's our history. That's our background. But for people right now, you know, hope you know the people that lost their job or lost their business, I had to go through that. At one, uh, 2013, I went four months without a job. So I want to make sure that maybe you, have, maybe you have no desire to play sports, you listen to this, but you're going through something right now where, you, like I said, you either lost your job, you lost your business. I think it's so important to stick to your routine. Yeah. Still wake up every single day as if you still had that job. Don't let anything change because those small, you know, if, if you start getting in a rut, which is natural, it's normal, but if you start getting in a rut and that has a snowball effect, for the rest of your, you know, your physical health, your mental health, it just, it just gets away from you. So I highly encourage you, if you're going through right now where you did lose your job or you lost your business, I highly, highly encourage you to keep that dog in you. You've got to stick to a routine yeah. and, and still, still act as though, still act as if you still have that job, still yeah. wake up at the same time, still get your workouts in, your still get your, things, your, yeah. your meditation in because those things, you, you don't want everything to go off the rails just because one main aspect of your life has. Yeah. And I would say this too, to add on to that, the routine, because you, you want to go into a rut, you want to relax, you want to take the foot off the pedal because the accountability is there. Be very conscious about that voice in your head that tells you not to do it. Mm. That voice in your head that says, stay in bed. Yeah. It's a voice. That's a coward. And you can control it. That was the coward. But be very, yeah. very conscious about that and make sure that it's positive and encouraging. And you can control that. So when you say, hey, I don't want to do that workout today or I don't want to do this, be conscious about what it's saying and say, "Is it? does that align with my goals? And make sure that those, those, those two things, the voice and your goals align, control that voice in your head so that you can – bring that dog out of you. Uh, thank you guys for the time. Thank you for listening today. Uh, we are going to bring a ton more content to you guys. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, YouTube. uh, make sure to subscribe, like, and share. And then also too, if there's any content or there's any topics that you want us to to discuss, make sure to put that on there because we're always looking for new ideas. Mm -hmm. We've got a long list things we want to talk about we want to make sure it's relevant to you guys so make sure to comment give us feedback anything that you guys want to hear we're here to serve so thank you guys so much for listening to the darren woodson show we're out